Welcome to the PharmaSource podcast. Today's episode is a live recording from our recent Women in Pharma Procurement Meetup. The session was all about how to negotiate for yourself, a key topic when you consider that the gender pay gap is still a very real issue. Even for those who are very comfortable negotiating for a company, negotiating for yourself can feel daunting. The meetup began with Marianne Gisane from Talent Sandbox, who shared an insightful presentation about how to negotiate your salary, which was then followed by the panel discussion you're about to hear. Speakers included Carmen Kirschbaum, SVP of Finance at Pfizer, Mamta Aurora, a procurement and DE&I leader who's worked in pharma for many years. We were also joined by Francesca Morrow from Roche and our talent guru, Neil Kelly, founder of Vector Partners, and our chair, Alicia Ryan, principal consultant in life sciences from Proxima Bay. Over to the panel. Carmen, do you want to kick off with an introduction? Yeah, happy to. You know, I'm super excited to be here today. This is such a great event. Maybe just a little bit about me. So I've had a very international uh, career so far, which never really followed a red thread. So which allowed me to build deep expertise in operations, finance, procurement, strategy, manufacturing, R&D. So again, super excited to be here. Um, listening to the presentation, and thanks for sharing all those insights, something that really resonated with me was sort of the first couple of bullet points that you highlighted. And I would go beyond that, actually, you know, sort of speaking out of my experience. When you talked about determining your number and walk away point, uh, I think for me, it's a lot of times, and I know the topic of this panel is also women and how we negotiate, right? I think I would encourage everyone and what I've done in the past for me is it's not just be really, really well prepared, know your data, know the facts. And I would actually call it know your worth, right? Not just know a number, what the job is it, but what are you worth, right? And then add 10% to it, right? Be bold. I think even to your walk away point, don't make it something that's absolutely necessary, but make it something you want it to be, right? To give you personally that extra stretch. Because again, growing up in different industry, even in automotive, where I came from and raising through the ranks, maybe, I always thought it must be good enough that everyone sees how good I am what good of a job I do, and and that's enough, right? Um, but what I come to realize is you really need to talk about it. You need to speak about it. You need to have your facts ready and be able to voice it. In addition to embrace the support you can get because there is so many sponsors, mentors, people that can help you, whether this is peers or former bosses or other people that can help you actually build your your worth and your storyline, right, in in the preparation of. I think the second thing that I realized is, and you mentioned it a little bit in the negotiation styles, really know the person you're talking to, right? Do also, don't just do homework yourself, do the homework on the person you're going to have the conversation with. What do they like? What is important to them? You know, even 
think about cultural differences, right? When I think back in my career, I've had different conversations in uh, Germany, for example. And what counted there was, you know, even negotiating not just about me, but about business was have your facts ready, <laughs> know the detail, be able to walk them through versus in Taiwan. And I know it's stereotypical, but it was all about spending an evening with them going out drinking and enjoying and building that personal relationship, right? So again, I think know the person on the other side. This is sort of my first couple of things and I'm handing off to uh, Mamta because I don't want to take up all the time. Great, great. Uh, yeah, again, I really enjoyed this session uh, on negotiation and uh, great tips, Carmen. Uh, so hi, nice to meet everyone virtually. I'm Mamta Aurora, and most recently I worked as head of procurement for a biotech. And uh, prior to that, my previous organization around COVID time, uh, they launched an initiative to do, uh, you know, employee resource group are also known as business impact group. Um, so I was lucky enough to be a founding member for a group we called Woman Rising. And I'll go uh, into that a little bit more later on. And academically speaking, I've got, you know, bachelor's in healthcare and an MBA. And majority of my career has been in procurement and contracting. Um, and I'll just speak a little bit about, uh, you know, the experience I've had for maybe negotiating uh, for myself. So I would say the first job right out of college, didn't know anything. I was just uh, switching careers. I'd graduated in healthcare administration, and that basically means business management in a uh, healthcare setting. So I was lucky enough to get a great internship, and my boss offered me a job. And I was like, this is depressing. I cannot walk into a hospital every day and work there. It's, it's very fulfilling, but I don't want to be doing cost-cutting and negotiating, you know, walking into the hospital. So I switched so I was happy to just get whatever job I did uh, at that point. But since then, uh, you know, I've been fortunate where I had friends or mentors kind of walk along the path and uh, help me figure out that part and the importance of making sure that the first slide that kind of talked about, you know, what Alicia talked about, that number, right? If it's 100K and then it's that 107. So from that perspective or, you know, just making sure that you're setting up that baseline because once you kind of grow with the organization it's going to be just that very little incremental increase so whichever way you know the memory or the thought kind of leaves you with is making sure that you can try to get that initial number as high as possible sign on bonuses and some of those other things are great ways because at, at the end of the day if you get that money and you invest it it's probably the same but you know it's important to try to maximize that initial number um and yeah, um, and I guess the other thing I would say is now, especially in New York, California, and some other rules in the US, especially, there's a lot more transparency. In addition to all the resources listed, a lot of the job postings already give you a range. So it has become much easier. Um, and I don't know if Marianne has any comments or thoughts about that. The ranges I've been told uh, that, you know, usually target the 50% range, that's what the organization is willing to pay. So, uh, you know, again, going back to negotiation styles, right? Know, know the party that you're negotiating with. Uh, are they going to be willing to budge or not, you know? And uh, how aggressive do you want to be? Or is it okay to walk away from that? So those are some of the things to consider 
and thank you to be here. So Luke, again, great event. Thanks for organizing. Maybe I can just build on that and then we clearly want to open up to everyone uh, asking us questions. You, but I think on the number two, part of my experience has always been to just ask for whatever you really, really, really want. And I don't think anyone on the other side will walk away, even if it's way too high for them. They will tell you and they will engage in a negotiation, right? So you can't, you can't lose by erring sort of on the high end because that one helps you calibrate and B, it starts a conversation at a different point. And again, I've never in my experience, uh, in, in my history experienced anything where people would walk away because the number was too high. Uh, just just as a side note and um maybe again one, one other thought on the script you mentioned uh, there's going to be a script later on something from a wording perspective that i really enjoy doing is making sure i have a clear list of my non-negotiables already sort of written out and i'm very clear about that and it is way beyond salaries it, it can be vacation mm -hmm. it can remote work it, I mean it can be anything but have your list ready and don't shy away from being open and transparent about some of your non-negotiables and and there's you know you can do it in a very nice way you can either say well here are my non-negotiables or you can say I have an idea here's my idea what do you think and sort of that opens up the conversation one more time but it makes it very clear on what are the things that are important to you. Thank you, Carmen. And, and Mamta, they, that's been really insightful. And I think building on one of the points that, that you've both touched upon, and Marianne did as well, around transparency and bringing conversations around salary and benefits, you know, kind of more, more to the forefront. What have you guys done or do you have experience that you can share with the group around building a supportive network um, of women within your organizations where it's a safe space where you can talk about, you know, what what are the expectations? And it, it's kind of a timely question as well. We've got something in the chat around how do you research um, the salary, especially for a newly created role where there's not a you know, kind of great comparison. Would your recommendations be to, to build and talk through a network? What's your experience? Sure, you can definitely do that. And I'm sure it may be a newly created role in that organization, but, you know, it may be there in the industry. So as long as uh, you can look at the qualifications for that role and see if it matches, you know, the similar title. Uh, we all love to use our words differently. Someone calls, you know, someone a manager, a supervisor, administrator, whatever it may be. So you'll have to play around with that. But I think uh, with the availability of data out there, it, it has gotten a lot much, uh, you know, a lot easier to figure out that range. Yeah, I mean, something that I'm, I'm very proud of, and this is my time at Wash, where uh, I established from the scratch a global women leadership program that's been across procurement, IT, finance, and it was really built on the latest research that is actually conducted uh, about diversity, inclusion, female leadership. And it's a program that is very different from traditional program because it doesn't build on sort of what are the voids that women have versus how can we create an ecosystem that is very supportive and how can we build a strong network that in 
you know, if we have multiple cohorts and we actually have a, a lot of years and a lot of people in the program, in 10 years from now, they can call each other and they would pick up the phone, right? Whether someone is the CFO of a big company or still trying to explore coming back from maternity leave, whatever it might be, and they can connect and sort of have exactly those conversation, open, transparent conversation. And, you know, I actually have someone on the call. I hope she's okay with me calling her out, but she's participated in the program. So I would be excited to bring her into the conversation um, and have her talk a little bit about her experience. Yes, thank you, Carmen. Actually, yes, I agree. It was great to have this community, let's say, build it through this women leadership program that we had in Roche, you know. Uh, we really can, you know, benchmark, you know, speak each other, connect, uh, and speaking about for sure, you know, work topic and, you know, collaborating together, but also, you know, manage these supporting each other, you know, with these questions when there's something new and we have to negotiate something or, you know, we can learn from each other about tips, what has uh, been done. So, and even though sometimes we are from a bit different, you know, part of the organization, uh, but it's, you know, always good to uh, really to share our thoughts and to, to benchmark, you know, between ourselves uh, uh, and then also to connect with people or with colleagues that uh, they have, you know, uh, so that you can also enlarge even more, you know, your connection and, and your community in a way. So definitely, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Francesca. So we did similar thing. And if anyone's familiar with the Healthcare Business Women Association, it's a great or organization, want to give them a shout out. You can also check it out. So we partnered with them to build a very similar program that Carmen has mentioned. And we started with a cohort of one. It was successful. Then we doubled the numbers this, you know, subsequent years. But what I would say is that in absence of that, if your organization doesn't have those kind of things, just in general, when we launched the Women Rising Network, you know, we had about 200 or so members and we subdivided them to make sure that there was that small community feeling because when you get into such a larger group, you kind of lose that and you lose those connections. So, uh, you know, we divided up folks into their uh, like-minded interest and kind of continued from there. And I'm happy to report, even though I'm lo longer with the organization, I still have my monthly Zoom calls with my old colleagues to just stay connected. We connect 30 minutes a month or 30 minutes every other month. And it, like uh, Carmen said, it's just been great, you know, to continue those journeys. And it's been four or five years since we set that up. So uh, it's an amazing feeling. Um, and I think uh, her guest speaker also mentioned some of these, right? So the networking opportunities, the, the learning and support, I would say, has been my personal benefit. Um, the inclusivity that you feel, um, as well as just, you know, the career ad advocacy or professional development, the encouragement you get from like-minded people, it's amazing. And then the best part, uh, as you mentioned, right, it was different parts of the organization. So again, bringing in that diversity of opinion and perspectives, because sometimes we are in one area and we kind of get narrow-minded on that. So I feel pretty fortunate with the career trajectory I had. So what I'd always try to do is if I'm in that position, when I am a team leader, I'm always looking at the salary ranges for my team, right? Is it equitable? I have males and females. Is it equitable? 
What can I do to bring the other ones up if there is a gap, if they're already existing on the team? How do I capture that? I advocate for them. And I also try to make sure I'm not always going to be there. So I'm still continuing to mentor some of the old team members I have to make sure they learn to speak up for themselves. You know, I literally help them. But, uh, you know, so like Carmen said, people out there are willing to do that. So your old bosses will be, you know, happy to kind of help you build that accolades or kudos sheet. Uh, so definitely try to take advantage of that. Um, and one thing I would also say is don't feel like there's always has to be this uh, formal relationship for mentoring or sponsorship. Sometimes it's just one conversation or sometimes it's whatever you need. So don't be shy about that and get that, uh, you know, and if, if that brings value to you, go ahead and do that. But it doesn't have to be so formal either. So take advantage of those opportunities that are right there. Feel free to connect with me if I can help anyone. Perfect. Very interesting question that has just come in on the chat. And Marianne, please feel free to, to jump in here as well. What's everybody's view of the, the, the lovely bandings that we all have um, in our organizations? When you know that you're at the top of that banding, but you're <coughs> um, coming up to a, an annual appraisal, you're talking about your salary, you're already at the, that, the top of that banding. What's your approach when it's not possible to jump into the next banding. Do you want me to say that one? Please do. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hi everyone. My name's Neil. I'm one of the directors of Vector and to Talent Sandbox. So I, I guess it's it's a topic that that we spoke about before before this session and um and it and it and it touched on kind of processes in an organization. So you know, one of the things I would recommend you doing is get close to your processes. You know, most of your businesses will have some kind of process around how do you manage, you know, pay, compensation, etc. Not always clear, I have to say. <laughs> Not always easy to 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 navigate to um to uh, navigate either. But get to know it. But I think the second thing is that you know, and I think carmen was was touching on this a little bit in terms of experiences so um you don't always have to push upwards on compensation you can actually go um both vertically but also horizontally as well so when you think about your career progression you may actually want to pick up different skills responsibilities areas in regions wherever your your leveling is and then actually what organizations will very often do is they will give you a salary uh, increase to take on that extra responsibility. So although you haven't actually physically moved up in the band, you may have actually gone horizontally, but increased the responsibility at that time. So what that allows you to do is then to, uh, to then very quickly, um, you know, navigate through that pay, that pay scales um, without actually going, you know, upwards, but but horizontally. Um, so that's maybe one way of thinking about it. Um, and I think uh, that would that's that's often um, a, a route I see very effective for those leaders who are who are really bumping up against that very ceiling of um, that compensation structure. Yeah. So for for me, maybe just to add, it nicely connects to another question in the chat that came earlier around. How do you do the research on a salary if your job role is a newly created role for which there is no comparison for the exact role? I think a lot of companies these days go through transformation. You know, they start calling roles differently. Uh, they create 
to, um, I think your point, new opportunities, right? To step into project work, self-aligned work. I mean, so I think use that as an opportunity, right? To break out of your, maybe your traditional thinking or the company's traditional thinking on bands, right? Because who says that is the limit of the band, right? Um, so I would again building on maybe experience i would just challenge that a little bit we're too easily being told well this is the band there's nothing i can do and and again maybe a little bit on this newly created role for me how i've been thinking about it a little bit how i would look it up is you know there is a certain component certain wording in your job description or maybe that of your your manager or others that give you sort of an indication on how much is this my current level versus how many elements can I find in maybe a director, a senior director, VP role, right? And then sort of gauge where you would calibrate. That, that would be my, my tip. So, yeah, I mean, what's, what's in interesting about newly created roles, we are going to experience an influx of hundreds, thousands of newly created roles with the adoption of technology and AI, which is hitting us right now. So the next five years, you're going to see a lot of new roles hit our, hit our industries. One of the things that when we look at how do you grade a role is we always look for uh, leveling skills, you know, tenure responsibility. So there's different layers which you then overlay that. But very often when we're grading a role, particularly a new role in an organization, you very rarely get an exact match. Very rare, because that could be quite unique, you know, within Roche compared to AstraZeneca and compared to somebody else. So, you know, I, th I think what's what's important is, again, just understand a little bit about what you're trying to um, to assess, you know, get to know a little bit about the market, as Marianne was saying, and, you know, and then do the comparable, you know, do the comparison for, for something which is an 80% match. Because it, it, it's, you know, if, if your role is brand new and there's very few of them in the marketplace, then it will be difficult to do that exact assessment. But it, but what you can do is you can go for adjacent functional areas, though. So in this functional areas that have already created new roles at that particular level with the same size of team, with the geographical responsibilities. So, um, you know, as you move and as you read and, and research and learn, you, you very quickly you know, realize that actually there's there's probably many roles which are quite similar, but may have a, a functional title, which is slightly different. Perfect. Thank you. And just um, to, to kind of close up, we've got a couple of other questions. What's our view on whether we're, we're negotiating with our internal HR or if it's for a, a new, it's with a new hiring manager? And do we think that there's a difference in approach, whether we're negotiating with, with a man or a woman? In preparing for the panel, I was reading up on some research too, sort of resonated with me was this, um, you know, this stereotypical thinking of when men negotiate, you know, they're being called, well, dominant and assertive is good, right? Mm -hmm. But if women negotiate, they come across forceful, controlling, maybe being disliked, maybe not being authentic right so is there something to it that if we just stay true to ourselves, and it's all in the language right if we're trying to be someone we're not and we violate those stereotypes right or wrong right that um then we get punished and we don't get what we want right versus 
again, I think we can be open and still be authentic and use maybe the tentative language we normally use and I'm hopeful to get or something. So it sort of plays off that, you know, man, woman, hiring manager conversation. Is that still a topic or is, you know, are we beyond those stereotypes? I mean, I, I think in an ideal world, we would be beyond those types of approaches. But I think the reality is we are still facing, um, you know, the risk of what we mentioned earlier, that um, unjust penalization, if you do choose to negotiate and how you can be perceived. And, and, and in the research I was doing to prepare for this presentation as well, I, I found the same, the same issue in terms of um, when you're negotiating as a woman, regardless of if you're negotiating with a man or with a woman, um, there is an increased chance of having that reputational risk of coming off too assertive, too pushy, and having that um, follow you as you continue in your career. So I would say in an ideal world, we would want to be moving beyond that. But the reality is we're still having to, to be mindful of how we're presenting ourselves when we're entering negotiations. And I think one of the things you mentioned earlier was this idea, again, of this um, community motivation. You can kind of mitigate... Uh, that negative reputational risk that you might have if you approach it from the standpoint of um, this is what I'm bringing to the table that will help you, that will help achieve the organizational goals, that will help achieve the strategic goals of the function. So it's kind of um, a double whammy in the sense that you can talk up what you're bringing to the table and what you're worth and why you're worth that but also backing it up with being able to say, and this is why, this is the impact I'm going to make. These are the steps that I can help um, implement to take you to that next level within the organization. Kind of this idea of come along with me versus this is um, this is what I want and being too being coming off as too confident or too assertive and those as, of those negative aspects of it. So I think regardless of whether you're negotiating with a man or a woman, you want to put just your best foot forward and from that perspective, tailoring your approach to come off with your best self, regardless of who's across the table. But along with that, that's where that other piece that we mentioned earlier about you know, knowing the other person, like you mentioned, Carmen, knowing their negotiation style, knowing their cultural um, background and, and how they come to the table is really key in terms of that tailoring piece, regardless of if it's a man or a woman, it's really just understanding who's on the other side of the table. Thank you to everyone who took part in the discussion and joined us live for that meetup. I hope you found it useful. Our next Women in Pharma meetup will be about elevating women. It takes place online on the 8th of March, which is also International Women's Day. If you'd like to join the conversation, head to pharmasource.global/events and sign up. Thank you for listening.